60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We are saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. We're all over the Southeast, and we're glad that you're listening to this program on your favorite radio station right now. You know, Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice, explaining all important facets from finance to savings, all about the economy, to credit cards, credit scores, loans, building financial wealth, and much, much more. And we are always working throughout the week, throughout the weekends, in many departments and in many of the companies that Robert Palmer has created, the work is mainly to empower consumers. It all comes back in the end, but unless consumers are totally aware of what's going on around them, who's trying to take their money, who's trying to help them with their money, what money is actually for, you've got to be able to use it wisely to have more of it. It just makes sense, okay? Today, we're gonna talk about a cool thing, and that is buying a car and sometimes using that credit actually go to work for us. You got to know about that. We'll have an Ask RP. That's where you ask Robert a question. This is about opening lines of credit when you are waiting for your mortgage to close. Also, we'll talk about the goals of the show. We're going to talk about the fact that real estate is on its way back in a big way and too many people aren't jumping on the train. We'll analyze today's approach to kids and money. We have another Ask RP, how to get rid of that expensive PMI and One of the Saving Thousands rules to success created by Robert Palmer is own real estate sooner rather than later. We'll talk about that and much, much more. So let's get on with the show. And Robert, we can go to a car dealer and we can win on some of these interest rate programs. Let's look at another great example, Rob. So uh, cars, you know, every now and then the manufacturers will run these zero interest car deals. That's right. And, And so you can walk in there with cash. And you can walk in there with cash and you can say, you know what, I'm going to pay cash for this car. And usually what they'll do is they will, they'll give you a choice, right? And you say, well, you can either, since you're not going to take this 0% interest, we're going to give you a little bit of a rebate or whatever on the car mm-hmm. instead. And I've looked at these deals before because there's been positions and times in my life where I could, I was looking to buy a vehicle and I could have easily paid cash for it. But when I looked at the numbers and I crunched the numbers and I, again, once again, I said, okay. And, and if you do the math and just say, well, okay, so I'm going to save this much in interest versus this much in a rebate, it's really not that big of a difference. What you have to look at is what can you do by putting that money to work? So I think the other important thing uh, that people have to understand about being a, a powerful consumer is you have to have some other way to put your money to work. And whether that's the stock market, whether that's the bond market, whether you have your own small business you can invest in, whatever it is, you've got to have something. And I'm not, I'm not talking about taking risks. I don't want people to go out there and be day traders. I am talking about good, solid, safe, you know, mutual fund type diversified investments. Uh, we're not trying to go hit the big, I'm going to, you know, double my money overnight. This is not Las Vegas. This is not a blackjack table, <laughs> but putting money to work in the market in order to earn a good, steady, stable return by having a nice diversified portfolio. And, and really, you know, mutual funds are a great way to do that. ETFs are a great way to do that. Um, and so, so that's another part of this is as being a smart consumer, you've got to have somewhere to put your money. Because let's take an example. Let's say you're going to go buy uh, a $50,000 truck. And it's crazy, Rob, but trucks cost $50,000 these days. I mean, yes, isn't it insane? Do. I mean, you remember like back when you, you know, you go get a truck for like ten or $12,000. And I mean, now you can get a, a nice truck is $50,000, $60,000. It's, it's, I mean, it's amazing how expensive things have gotten, right? Very well, much. so you walk in there and you say, okay, I've got $60,000 sitting in the bank and I can pay cash for this vehicle. Well, the, the manufacturer's running a, a 60 months, no interest deal or a 48 months, no interest deal or whatever it is. So again, if, if we look at the amount of interest, we will save there. Mm-hmm. But then we have to do something with our money. And so if we take that fifty or $60,000 and we put it in the right type of investment, we put it in the right type of steady, stable investment, you're going to earn money on that. And if you look at how much money you'll earn over the next five years and then take advantage of their 0% interest, I mean, it, you very quickly can take advantage of, you know, arbitrage is the big word that That's they it. use on Wall Street, you know. And, and just like Wall Street uses arbitrage against us as consumers, we can use it against them because they expect us all to be stupid. 
You know, they expect us to not take advantage. They expect us to make bad decisions. They expect us to get the 0% interest rate credit card and then never pay it off. And so we get slammed with interest. They expect us to go buy the jewelry and get the 12 months interest free and not pay it off in time and get slapped with all the interest. But if you can change that, if you can empower yourself, if you can make the right decisions, if you can take the things I'm teaching you right here on the radio every single day and apply them, apply them consistently, you can arbitrage back at the banks, back at the credit card companies, back at the car finance companies, back at the student loan companies, back at the mortgage companies, you name it, you can fight back by being a smart consumer. See, if you just don't use credit at all, then, then, then you're kind of neutral. You didn't beat them. They didn't beat you. You just you chose not to play the game, right? I'd rather teach people mm-hmm. how to play the game and win. And you can play the game and win. And if you win, that means they lost. And they can lose. And they do lose. Trust me, they lose on me. I mean, I get all kind of crazy perks from American Express. Mm-hmm. And I take advantage of so many uh, different opportunities like this to arbitrage and, and use credit to make me money. And I always pay it off on time. I, I always, I, I've been doing it for so long and I'm so disciplined with it that they don't get a penny of interest out of me and they don't get the annual fees. They don't get anything unless it's, it's to my benefit. And so they lose and, and they play the games and think, well, yeah, we'll give this guy a six months, no interest credit card. And at the end of the six months, we'll start, we'll start hitting him for 29%. Right. Doesn't happen. Right. You're never gonna get 29% out of me, but I'm going to get 0% out of you for six months. You know, these are the types of opportunities we as consumers, you know, that's the thing that we have the choice to play. It's like in Vegas, you know, the, the, one of the things they say is your advantage and I guess disadvantage too is you decide when to start and stop. The casino can't walk away. If you're winning and you're hot and you're going and you're going, they, mm-hmm. they can't really walk away. You can. And so the same thing, we call the shots as consumers. We decide which credit card we want. We decide which car loan we want. We decide which student loan we want. We decide which mortgage we want. That is our true power. And if we use that power to its fullest, we can save money, but also make money by making wise investments with the money that we're not paying interest on. Well, it pays to be educated. It pays to be empowered. And that's why we bring you this radio show. That's right on over 80 radio stations throughout the South, 24-7 on iHeart, and our brand new Saving Thousands radio app. You can simply take out your smartphone and you can go to the Play Store and you can download an app called Saving Thousands Radio. And right there, you can listen to our shows on demand anytime you want, 24-7. Kind of neat. Well, if you've been listening to shows like this, and of course this show and maybe some of the other money shows on TV and online, you're being exposed to a new word called TRID. Well, TRID is the first major change in mortgages brought on by the federal government for the first time since 1976. And yes, it's got a lot of lenders on their heels. TRID is a whole new way to approve mortgages. It's a whole new way for you to apply for mortgages. But the onus, the major part of TRID, falls on the laps of the mortgage person himself. Falls on the laps of the mortgage industry, not so much the borrower. You still fill out an app just like any other time. But from then on, it gets very, very complicated in a very consumer-friendly way, but it gets real complicated for the lender. TRID is said to maybe be the one thing that could hold up a closing of a real estate loan for 60 to 75 days. And that comes from some of the biggest lenders in the country. But wait a minute. Robert Palmer, as he usually is, anticipated the changes of TRID. He did the research months ago. He had workshops with his people. They set up software for TRID. And guess what? Robert Palmer was one of the first in the United States, RP funding, to actually get a TRID loan approved in not 60 to 75 days, but 10 days, 10 days. That's the way RP funding does things. So they're not going to let a bunch of changes in the federal government and regulations change things for them. They're going to get the job done for you. So you want to talk TRID? Go ahead and call the office at 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. Well, Robert, I've got a very quick Ask RP here from Judy. Judy's been pre-approved for a mortgage, and she doesn't expect to close for about 20 more days. Now she wants to run down to the furniture store, and that uh, furniture store that's been running all those ads lately that you can set up a line of credit and um, go ahead and not pay for three months. Well, she wants to know if that's going to hurt her mortgage. You said this was a quickie, Rob. I'm sorry. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, the idea is right now you don't have that house payment, right? And so when you go down to rooms to go to get approved for the furniture loan mm-hmm. and you go down to Home Depot to get approved for the credit line and all this stuff, they don't see that you have a mortgage payment. Oh boy. So they don't know. Like so 
let's say right now you're paying $700 a month in rent and you're about to close on a house with a $3,000 mortgage payment. When you go to the rooms to go, you may not qualify anymore to get the furniture finance with the $3,000 mortgage payment, right? But they don't know about that yet. And on uh, our side, you may no longer qualify for the $3,000 mortgage payment if you have a $1,000 rooms to go payment. There you go. And so if you buy furniture, if you go out and run up, it's not about buying it. If you can pay cash for it, do it. Mm-hmm. But understand that as a lender, you may have to, you, your loan program may require reserves in the bank. You've got a certain amount of money you have to bring for your down payment. So if you touch that money, now you can't afford to close on the house because when you show up at closing and you're supposed to put your $50,000 down payment down and you spend it all on furniture the week before closing, there's a problem. <laughs> uh, that's not going to work out. And then worse, if you borrowed the money, we have to now count that payment against you and we will find out all mortgage lenders now monitor your credit and they repull your credit right before closing because it was such an epidemic during the crash of people going out and getting new debts right before oh, closing yeah. and it then led to default because they couldn't afford it all. And rooms to go, and and, and and Home Depot would have never given them the line of credit if they'd known they were buying the house. And the guy financing the house would have never made them the loan if they'd known about all these new debts. And so now we have to check for this. And when we find it, we have to look at your loan. And if you don't qualify anymore, you don't qualify anymore. So, again, the best advice is do not take out any new credit until after you close on the home. And then be upfront with the other creditors that you just bought the house and what the payment is. Because there's that gap where you can kind of... Ah, my rent's only seven hundred a month. Let me get this, and then you know people try to beat the system by cramming everything into that gap. And so Fannie and Freddie, controlled by the government, came out with this loan quality initiative. They call it LQI, Loan Quality Initiative, mm-hmm. where they require us as lenders to check for this right before closing to make sure you're not running up new debts. And we tell every single client at pre-approval, do not take out any new loans, do not buy new cars, do not do anything. It can jeopardize your closing on your home loan. Great lessons to know so you don't have an unexpected surprise on or just before the closing date. Well, those of you who've listened to Saving Thousands over the years have heard about Robert Palmer's zero lender fees, the emphasis on customer service, the validated pre-approval, and other innovations that RP Funding has brought to the industry. But have you ever heard about the accelerated closing program and the accelerated closing team? Well, RP Funding is known in the industry for not only streamlining the loan approval process overall, but also keeping all decisions in-house. Your file doesn't travel to Atlanta or New York for processing and then off to Seattle for documentation. Everything is done in-house at one centralized location. So you can find out and your realtor can find out basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where your application is in the process as it sails from one desk to the other desk. Now, this is great for just standard mortgages, but it's even more important now in the mortgage industry. We're finding more and more people. They're calling 855-773-8634 and saying, hey, can you bail us out? Can you help us? These calls are coming from realtors and from borrowers who were doing business with other mortgage companies and those mortgage companies were dropping the ball and couldn't close on time. So what was going to happen? There would be penalties. The deal could fall fall through. People might have to live in some kind of a Motel 6 for a month while all this is being straightened out. And that means it's a domino effect on everybody concerned. The, the, the seller can't move on. You know what I mean? So it's all crazy. So they turned to Robert Palmer. And you know what they're doing now? The Closing Acceleration Program is now a household word. And they're closing loans in 10 days or less, and most recently, a loan in just 24 hours to save a real estate deal. Now, that is great news. Robert, people will see me out and about as I travel around Central Florida. They know that I'm on the show all the time. And they ask me, how did the show come about and why is it growing so fast? And, uh, you know, Robert, my goal with this show, and we've really Mm -hmm. talked about this a lot, you know, what what was the goal? And and I will tell you, the goal has changed. You know, I mean... In the beginning, I really just wanted to come out here and, I guess, expose everything that was wrong with our industry. Mm-hmm. And and now it's really more about empowering consumers. And I really want to give people a framework and give people, you know, a good set of rules and guidelines that they can use to be smarter consumers and that they can make sure they always shop around and to not be afraid of credit. You know, I think that's one of the that's one of the I guess the, the kind of missing messages is as I've as I've exposed the secrets, a lot of people say, well, oh my God, this is so terrible. I should just stay, I should just stay away from credit. I should be afraid of credit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's not it. And so, you know, I, I kind of want to tell a story personally. Of, I, I personally use a lot of credit. You know, I, I use, and when I say use, I mean use, like I use them. You know, it, it's not, it's not because I need the credit. It's because I want to take advantage of the credit. You know, I want to take advantage of the bank because there are a lot of things you can, you can do. 
And so to give you an example, you know, I, I got married last November right. and I got engaged a year ago uh, in May. And, uh, and so when I bought my wife's engagement ring, I financed it because they offered me 12 months, no interest. Nothing right? wrong with that. And so, you know, uh, an engagement ring is a decent little purchase. I mean, what, what do they say, Rob? What, is you supposed to spend like two months of your salary on an engagement ring? Have I you, do believe it's two months to three months. Two, yeah. to, two to three months of your salary. All right. So we'll, we'll say, so the average person out there, you know, that's making sixty seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year is, is putting fifteen dollars to $20,000 into an engagement ring. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, so if you take, so, so if you take that fifteen or 20000 and let's say you're afraid of credit. You know, there's people who say, you know what, I'm just not going to have any credit. I'm not going to borrow. Maybe you have bad credit, so it's forced you down that path. But uh, let's say you're going to buy a, a $20,000 engagement ring, three months of your salary, and you make, you know, right at $70,000 a year or whatever, like as an example. So you take that $20,000, and if the, the jewelry company is willing to give you 12 months of no interest, all right, well, that means that $20,000 is free to you for the next 12 months, mm-hmm. right? So what I want people to, to think about is, so person A walks into that jewelry store, and they take $20,000 out of their savings account and they buy the ring cash and they walk out and they're done. Okay. Person B walks in, takes advantage of the twin. This is what I did. Takes advantage of the, the credit from the store with 12 months of no interest. Mm-hmm. And then they take that $20,000 from their savings account, Rob, and they invest it in the stock market. Right. And I'm not saying get crazy. I'm not saying pick right. stocks. Like just put it into a nice solid mutual fund. And the return you would have seen is going to be around three to $4,000 over the last 12 months. And, and so then at the end, it's time, all right, we got to pay off our, our thing. So we, we sell those $20,000 with stocks and now the 12 months of interest free is up. So we want to pay this thing off, mm-hmm. but there was an opportunity to make money there. And if you're afraid of credit, you know, if, if you take up a mantra in life that you're never going to use credit, you can't take advantage of those types of opportunities. Here was an opportunity to make two or $3,000, maybe $4,000, depending on which stocks you invested in, which mutual funds you picked. The market did really great over the last 12 months. Sure did. I mean, it did, you know, it, it was, it was a great time. And so having that $20,000 for an engagement ring interest-free meant that 20,000 was now freed up to do something else. But to take advantage of these types of situations, you've got to have good credit. You've got to understand credit. You've got to know how the system works. And this is what I want to empower people to do. This is what I want to teach our listeners how to do so they can identify these types of opportunities identify the opportunities where credit is a good idea, not, mm-hmm. not to be afraid of it. You know, uh, most of RP funding's bills I put on my American Express. And I mean, we obviously spend a lot more than the average person would because all of our, a lot of our advertising, a lot of our, our bills go on American Express. But I mean, any small business owner, anyone in their life, you can build up pretty quick points, you know, and those points turn into a nice vacation at the end of the sure year. Sure do. So just by, by, you know, cruises, you know, Rob, you're a big cruiser. I do, you I know? do. And, and, and you can definitely, you can get a couple free cruises a year by using credit correctly. That's right. You know, get the points, pay the thing off. And so that's really what I'm here to do. I want to teach people how to utilize leverage and utilize credit because in a lot of ways, credit is what built this country. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at why we grew as fast as we did and you look at some other countries and how they do not grow as quickly, it, a lot of it has to do with the credit mentality. And while the financial services industries have taken advantage of this and they've turned into a bad thing and they're so bent on taking advantage of people, if we as consumers are educated enough and strong enough and dedicated enough and committed enough to a plan to use credit correctly, we can really take advantage of the system and we can pick up a lot of nice perks and a lot of opportunities to make money, a lot of opportunities to save money while using credit to our benefit instead of letting the big credit companies use credit to their benefit at our expense. If you're just tuning in, you're saving thousands with Robert Palmer on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. You know, in most of our shows, you'll hear us refer to the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. Yeah, Robert Palmer put together 15 rules to success for you. These are rules that if you simply follow them, and they're very easy to follow, they don't cost you anything, In fact, they save you thousands over the years. It's just little things that Robert has seen as he looks over credit applications, as he talks to people about they're wanting to buy a home and the goals they have financially in their lives. Robert's learned a lot, and that's where these saving thousands rules came from. He looked at the fact that a lot of people who come to his RP funding for a loan maybe have a 500 credit score. Others will walk in and they have an 850 credit score. And they may very, very well be in the same industry, sometimes even in the same company and make similar money. So what's the difference between the family with a 500 credit score and the family with the 800 credit score? Well, Robert sees it very clearly. So he's taken some of the pitfalls, some of the mistakes people run into, and he's taken those and he says, I'm going to give them some direction. 
I'm going to give them a GPS for their money. Yeah, you get in your car, you got the GPS on, it takes you right to where you want to go. Well, the Saving Thousands rules do the very same thing. They take you to where you want to be financially. And rule number seven, Robert, is own real estate sooner than later. And that kind of brings us to today where the real estate industry is coming back big and some of the players that were very active during the crash are back again, but this time they're buying real estate like crazy. Yeah, so this article talks about uh, these big companies who were snatching up houses. And I kind of want to talk about this in two different facets. One, Rob, is you know everybody thought that when they quit buying homes, because they're still buying but not quite at the clip they were, uh, and there was this big fear they were going to sell the homes, right? And when they sold the homes, it was going to crash home values. Mm-hmm. Remember this, Rob? This was, oh, yeah. this was the big panic, uh, you know, because the idea was, well, these guys have to make money. And, and so if they bought all these homes and now the homes have gone up in value so much, well, they're going to turn around and dump the homes. They're going to sell the homes. And glut the market. And, and they're going to flood the market and they're going to ruin home values. It's, it's going to be a disaster. And this was, this was probably the, the warning alarm 18 months ago, right? But these guys are, are too smart for that. So here's, here's the two things that they knew. Uh, one, they recognize the number of people right now who, for whatever reason, just want to rent. And, and I think that this whole rental mentality is a, we'll call it a hangover effect from the crash. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a lot of people are, are still either stuck because they can't buy yet because of a past foreclosure or a past short sale uh, you know, they lost a home and haven't been able to bounce back quite yet. They haven't met the waiting periods imposed by the, the government-sponsored enterprises who run lending, uh, which is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae. And uh, so that, that's the first issue. And then the others is people whose lives were affected, right? So, you know, people who saw mom and dad go through a bad spot, you know, maybe, you know, people who have a brother or sister who went through a, a bad spot because of housing. And so there is still some skepticism and fear on beyond the part of the consumer and the general public. Now, who is not skeptical and who is not afraid of of, of housing is is big hedge funds and, and Wall Street in the market. And and so what these guys did was really brilliant uh, for a couple of reasons. And that's what we're going to talk about. So they they purchased all these homes, right? And and then the fear was, well, these are these guys are doing this for a profit, and they're probably going to sell the homes. And when they sell the homes to take their profit. Uh, we're going to have this big crash in home values. Well, these guys were really smart. And what they figured out is instead of selling the homes, right, instead of selling the homes back to families, they would sell securities backed by the homes, (laughs) effectively borrowing against all the future profits of the homes. Now, let me tell you, there's a couple of reasons why this is brilliant. Uh, One, because they do own and continue to own so many homes, and and they're buying homes all across the country. They buy in different markets at different times. They were really hot in Florida for a while. They've kind of hit a saturation here, so they're buying more in other parts of the country. Uh, But what they recognized was if they turn around and resell all of these homes, they would affect home prices, right? Mm -hmm. Which would impact their own pocketbook. Their own portfolio. Right, their own portfolio. (laughs) They they would be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Number two... The income tax implications of selling those homes at a profit is huge. They would have to pay income tax on all of those gains. Well, guess what happens, Rob? When you borrow against something, it doesn't trigger a tax event. That's right. Right? And, and, and so and so here's what they, they figured out. So if they sold the homes, it would lower home values, would hurt their own portfolios. If they sold the homes, they would own a big chunk of the the income to the IRS and Uncle Sam, and they didn't want to do that because these are greedy Wall Street guys, and they don't want to give up a dime of profits. And then on top of that, there's huge demand for rentals because a lot of people are scared to buy, think they can't buy, or just aren't. A, some really can't. Some think they can't, and some are just afraid to. Right? That's what's going mm-hmm. on. And so there's this huge demand for rentals. And so they, they, these guys were smart. And so here's what they did: they didn't just borrow against and securitize the current value of the home, Rob, they securitized the future value of all the rental payments they're going to receive. Okay. I mean, this is, this is, this is brilliant stuff. I mean, this is, this is high finance stuff. And so what happens now is they actually can't sell the houses because (laughs) they didn't borrow against the house. They borrowed against the future value of the rental income. One so they've got, to, they've got to keep it so they can get that rental income to fulfill what they securitized. Wow. So the risk of any of these homes going back up for sale has basically been eliminated. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 think about this. I mean, this the size of this offering. When you look at how much money, I forget what the article said, Rob. It was it was a, a ridiculous amount of money. This this securitization, I think they said, was twice as large as their last one. So yeah. they did this once about a year ago, and they and they got a bunch of money, and now they've done it. and They've doubled the amount of money, and, and these are huge, huge numbers, which shows that Wall Street believes in what's happening in American housing, right? And, and these guys believe in what's happening in American housing. And what's going to happen is, is when the when they fulfill the the income stream that they securitized, right? So that they securitized the next three years, five years, seven years worth of uh, rental income into these securities to borrow against it. Once that time period has elapsed, they still own all the houses, right? Wow. You know, and mm. so and they're going to turn around and do it again. So th- to me, this is just a clear, clear indicator of what an a, amazing investment, what a great investment housing has become again. So now is a great time for you to get involved in real estate. Once again, I know some of you are going to be just a little bit shy because maybe you got burnt in a crash, but you know what? People are coming back. The economy's coming back. A lot of great measures have been done by the federal government and by the banking and mortgage industry to make sure that we don't have that occur again. And let's hope it never does. 855-773-8634. That's 855-773-8634. 8634. Just make the conversation. Call. There's no obligation, no smoke and mirrors, but just ask to speak to a licensed mortgage officer to just have the conversation. And I'm going to guarantee you this no one is going to hard sell you. It's just not going to happen. All right. You know, we were talking about the rules a while ago. Rule number one is always shop around. If you're looking for a car, a boat, a big screen TV, uh, new stuff for the house, whatever it is, Shop around and you will save money. Rule number two, you got to know your numbers. You have to know your credit score. Most of you don't. You've got to know your home value. Well, that's where we help out with the home value hotline at 866-222-8231. You've got to know the balances on all of your credit cards. And I bet you 16 ways to Sunday that you don't. You don't know today, do you? Do you really? You know how much the finance charges are going to be when that statement comes out? You've got to know this stuff and you've got to know the interest rates you're paying on everything from your house to your car, to your vacation home, (laughs) whatever it might be. You've got to know your numbers. Well, Robert, one of the big things we need to do as a society is get our kids educated about money. And it seems like when we were kids, we got 50 cents or a dollar for a chore around the house. And that's how we came to know the value of money. But now it seems like kids just either get an allowance or simply ask mom or dad for $15, $20, $30, and they get the money without question. So what's going on? Um, you know, allowance. A lot of parents kind of look at the allowance. I think the allowance in a lot of ways is a cop-out. Um, I, I think it, I think it's good that, that the kid is given some kind of money, but if you look at the scale it's on, uh, you know, and it, it may start to give some kind of bearing of spending. But I think for most kids, allowance has become just pure luxury spending, Right. Like, it's like, well, we're going to take care of all your essentials. So this allowance is just for you to go blow on whatever you want. Kind of an entitlement. Right? <laughs> yeah. And where where it, I, I would think a better way would be, okay, well, here's your allowance. And out of that, you have to pay for your student lunches, you know, or out of that, you have to pay for school clothes or books, you know, put some type of essentials in there. Because if the allowance is purely discretionary spending, right, who wouldn't want that? I mean, I would love for someone to come to me and say, okay, Robert, we're going to pay all your bills. We're going to feed you. We're going to take care of all of the essentials so you don't have to worry about it. And then we're going to give you this slush fund on the side that you can go spend however you want. <laughs> you know, that, that, that doesn't really teach money responsibility. Uh, I think we, we could all live very happily like that. Most of us don't struggle uh, with our slush fund. We struggle with the basics, with the essentials. We struggle with making sure the bills get paid. Uh, and so I think if you really want to set up some type of allowance system with your kids, I'm for one that includes some type of basic necessity charges in there. Thinking this is tougher for parents. You know, it's like, well, hey, if mom makes you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to pack to school, we're gonna take fifty cents out of your your piggy bank, right? Mm-hmm. If if you you know if you go buy a school lunch, I don't know how much that is today, a couple bucks, you know, or if you go if it's the summer and you go up to a restaurant with your friends and you spend ten bucks, you know, these are your choices. You can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich made by mom for fifty cents, all the way up to you going out and blowing it, whatever. But you know, this is gonna start to teach more responsibility. And just, okay, well, here's your allowance and you get to spend this on junk. Um, you know, try to bring back some of that allowance into necessities because when you look at our budgets, you know, what percentage of your spending every month, Rob, 
is on necessities versus junk. The oh, bulk yeah. of it's necessities. I'm telling right? you. Right? <laughs> you know, but, but these allowances just teach our kids how to spend the money on junk. Uh, and so I think the other thing, too, is to kind of discuss with the, the kid, hey, you know, here's your allowance. You know, how do you think you're going to spend this? You know, and, and, and two, it's, it's kind of cool, Rob. You can see from an early age if, you, if your kid is, is naturally inclined to be a spender or a saver. Right. Right. You know, so I've got some friends with kids and, you know, some of them will just hoard that allowance. You know, they, they get that and they just tuck it away somewhere and save it up for the big purchase. And then you've got other kids who it's like they get 10 bucks and they're going straight down to the store and blowing it on complete garbage. There you go. You know, so I, again, there are some merits to it, but it's not just about handing them the money and seeing what they do with it. Uh, when, when you're handling all the essentials, you know, there's there's got to be some some charges in there. There's got to be some more lifelike, reality-like things that go in there because the whole point is we're trying to build good spending habits. And good spending habits uh, start with the essentials, taking care of the essentials first, uh, and then, you know, moving. And the other, the other thing I think is kind of interesting is, so you'll have parents that they'll give their kids an allowance, right? And then the kid wants something that they can't afford with their allowance, so now the parent, you know, probably bends and gives it to them or, or maybe tells them no. But what, what I don't think anyone's doing, which they should, is nobody's loaning them the money, right? So you want to buy a $300 Xbox and you don't have the money. That's fine. I'll loan it to you. And you're going to pay me back with interest out of your allowance. And now we've got a great lesson coming down the pipe in how credit works and how borrowing money works. Well, you don't have the 300 bucks today. I'll give it to you. And you're going to pay me back. $10 a week or $20 a week or whatever out of your allowance. And they may say, well, well, dad, that's, that's two thirds of my allowance right there. Well, yeah, that's, that's how credit works. You know, you want to borrow the 300 bucks today from the bank of, of dad to buy that Xbox, you know, and, and you're going to pay me back out of your allowance with interest. And so that Xbox that you just bought for 300 bucks is going to end up costing you 400 because you're going to pay me back a hundred dollars in interest because the bank of dad has a very high interest rate. You know, again, think about the, the opportunities we have to teach our kids these lessons at a young age, and we're just, we're not doing it, Rob. And this is, Amen. you know, this is something big. You know, one of the books I've got coming out next year is going to be on personal finance for children, and it really gets into these nitty-gritties and, and, and the plans and the little things we can do uh, to try to make, to try to make the, uh, teaching our kids about finance a little more realistic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's my gripe. With, my, well, my first gripe with the school system is that a lot just don't have it at all. But then those that do have it, it's not realistic. It's, it's archaic. You know, it's not, again, it's the, it's the equivalent of giving a child an allowance that's only for, you know, for the slush, for the junk, and not having them learn any responsibility or have to worry about the essentials. And a lot of the schools and, and any type of financial literacy out there doesn't get into the real world. It doesn't talk about, you know, the pain points. Well, if you borrow this money today, here's how much you're going to have to pay back. If you can't pay it back, here's what's going to happen. You can cause seven to 10 years worth of damage. Most people have no idea, right? How long a bad decision with a credit card or credit can haunt you, you know, until it's too late. You know, I meet people all the time that they're trying to purchase a home and because of some, some mistake they made three years ago, five years ago, you know, when you're, when you're 25 and you make a mistake that's going to haunt you until you're 30, right? Or you're 23 and you make a mistake with credit that's going to haunt you until you're 30, these are big. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, that, you know, when, when you're in your 50s, 40s, 50s, five, seven years isn't as long. When, when you're talking about 23 to 30, that's a big chunk of your oh, life yeah. gone at that age, affected by an inability to get credit because you have bad credit because you made, you know, bad decisions, right? And, and you know, the other big thing is really talk about, you know, talking through purchases with the kids, both on your side and their side. You know, what, what, here's what we're going to purchase as a family. And, and here's the decisions and struggles we had to make. Here's why we want to do it. Same thing with the kid. Hey, let's talk through why you want that Xbox. You know, and is it really worth two thirds of your allowance for the next twelve months or you know, however long it is uh, in order to pay for that? You know, what what's it going to take? What kind of sacrifices are you willing to make? Because that, it's always trade offs, right? I mean, that we we can afford pretty much anything we want if we're willing to make the right sacrifices. You know, if if I'm willing to go get a roommate and, and live in a two bedroom apartment and, and, and cut my rent down to a couple hundred bucks a month. And I could afford a whole lot more over here. If I want a really nice house with a big mortgage payment, then I'm going to be able to afford a whole lot less over here. And so there's definitely this give and take and sacrifice. And, and our kids need to know about it. Our kids need to understand it. Our kids need to understand and, and be moving toward becoming financial ninjas at a young age. And I told you, Rob, my, my kind of vision is I want a world where the same way an eight-year-old can pick up an iPad and, and, and do stuff with it that amazes their parents. I want them to be able to, to talk about credit scores. 
Yeah. You know, and, and recite the, the perfect credit mix of revolving accounts and installment accounts and proportions of balance, you know, revolving limits to high balances and, you know, and average age of accounts and, and, and to know and, and say, you know what, if I get that credit card, it's going to hurt my credit score. And I don't want to do that, you know, to understand these concepts at a young age so that they are prepared and empowered. And when they walk onto that college campus or they get that call from a student loan company, you know, that they're very conscious of. There's still a lot coming up, including an Ask RP, and it's about mortgage insurance, but that's coming up in a moment. When was the last time you visited SavingThousands.com? SavingThousands.com is great. It is a website that is changing throughout the day, and it's a website that's built, just like this radio show, to empower you. It gives you a lot of easy-to-read and listen-to information all on one site, and the homepage is kind of your your opening portal to hallways going in every direction of finance, if you can just visualize that. If you open up the page, open up savingthousands.com. There you go. Now, open it up, and across the top, you'll see the tab for homepage, of course. The rules that we talked about a minute ago, you can just click that and get right to the rules. You can click radio shows, and you can listen on demand to hundreds of hours of radio shows, all set up by topic. The next tab would be station listings. And that is a list of all the radio stations that we're on. So as you travel the Southeast, you'll be able to pick up saving thousands on the day and the time that's indicated on the station listing list. There's an ask RP. That's where these questions are coming from that we're answering on the air right now. You simply click on ask RP. It will open up a form. You simply type your question. All the information is kept one hundred percent confidential robert will write you back and your question may very well become a topic of an upcoming show without your name and vital information there's another section there a tab that says home value hotline you click on that and it will give you again a confidential form on procuring your home value hotline that is great all right robert we have an ask rp this comes from dave up in jacksonville he says robert how do I get rid of that $200 private mortgage insurance PMI on my home loan? All right, so let's start, Rob, by explaining what PMI is yes, to sir. people who don't understand it. Uh, so here's how this works. Uh, when you get a mortgage once upon a time, you had to put 20% down. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to put 20% down. Because for the bank, for us to be able to foreclose and pay the attorneys and pay the real estate agent to resell the house, if you don't put at least 20% down, we're going to lose a lot of money. You know, that that less than 20% down is almost like it's an unsecured because we have no chance of getting that back when we have to foreclose. And and so when Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were created, they were mandated that they could not take risk above 80% of the, the value of the home. So mm-hmm. people had to put 20% down. Uh, and then somebody figured out, well, what if we get an insurance policy that will cover the difference? So if you only put 5% down, let's get an insurance policy that will pay down the 15% difference if you don't make your payments, if you default, and that's what PMI is. Now, as a customer, you don't get any benefit of that insurance. The benefit you get is you can get a mortgage with less than 20% down. Mm-hmm. You know, Whenever you get a mortgage and you put 5% down, 3% down, the only reason you are allowed to put that small down payment is because some entity is insuring the difference between the amount you put down and the full 20%. So on a conventional loan, that's private mortgage insurance. These are private for-profit companies. They have names like Radian, MGIC, uh, National Mortgage Insurance. These are publicly traded companies who are making money by charging you a PMI premium every month. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't, if you don't make your payments, if you default, they have to write a check to us as the lender to, to cover the difference between what you put down and the full 20% down payment. And that helps us then be able to foreclose and not lose money. Uh, and so the other alternative is there's there's government mortgage insurance, which is through FHA, VA, or USDA. These are the government entities. They they do insurance as well to allow people to put smaller down payments down. So when you when you have a mortgage where you have less than 20% down, you're going to have some kind of mortgage insurance, whether it's private mortgage insurance or government mortgage insurance. And this stuff can be expensive. You know, there's some FHA loans out there with two to three hundred dollars a month in mortgage insurance. This is this is on top of your normal mortgage payment. And so the beautiful thing is uh, once you get enough equity, you can refinance to a loan that doesn't have mortgage insurance, right? Now, some mortgage insurances can be canceled. Some can't. Uh, some can be canceled early. Some can only be canceled after you've had the loan for enough years to reach the the, the 78% loan-to-value mark. Uh, there's all these different complex rules around it. And so you can research and try to figure out if you can, if you can cancel your mortgage insurance without refinancing 
or you can take a look at what the refinance would look like. And because we're paying all the closing costs right now with the the refi special, with me mm-hmm. pulling that two and a half million dollars out of my advertising budget, there's really not a downside to refinancing. You can take advantage of today's low rates, uh, and you can also remove that PMI if you now have enough equity. Uh, and so that's that's the thing we're helping a lot of customers do because people who bought their home three or four years ago. The home has gone up in value enough that now they do have the 20% equity. But most of the PMI companies won't let you cancel until you reach 78% of the old value, right? It's very oh. difficult. There's there's these waiting periods and you have to buy appraisals. There's all these rules they've put in place to try to prevent people from canceling because they're in a great position right now. You're still having to pay them and they don't really have any liability because the house is worth so much more than what it was when you originally bought it. And so they want to make it very difficult for you to drop that PMI. Uh, and then on, on FHA loans now, the PMI never cancels. They decide they're just going to charge it for life, no matter how much you owe. So one of the ways to get out of that, and we're helping a lot of c- customers do this right now with the no-closing-cost refi special we're running, is to refinance out of the FHA loan into a conventional loan uh, mm. without mortgage insurance, or refinance from their old FHA loan to a new FHA loan that has lower mortgage insurance, or to go from a conventional loan with mortgage insurance to a conventional loan without mortgage insurance, because eliminating that mortgage insurance, limiting that PMI is such a substantial amount of savings. Even if your interest rate stays the same, you can save a lot of money because you can drop that PMI, and that's in some cases, it can be a couple hundred bucks a month. So if you are paying PMI and you want to find out if we can help you get rid of it, give us a call, 855-773-8634, or go to rpfunding.com. Again, that's 855-773-8634. We'd love to take a look at that and see if we can help you eliminate the PMI, help get you into a mortgage with either a lower PMI or no PMI, and help you save some money. And again, we're doing it right now with no closing costs because of the closing cost refi special. Uh, if you want to check out our license, our uh, NMLS uh, licensing ID is 70168. That's RP Funding's lender license number. We are a, a full-blown licensed mortgage lender. We're a, a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae issuer, seller, and servicer. Uh, you know, so we actually keep uh, about 20 25% of our loans, Rob. We keep them. We collect That's the right. payments on behalf of Fannie, Freddie, or Jenny. And you know, Robert, if they want more information, meaning our listeners, if they want more information on Fannie or Freddie or Jenny or the USDA loans, they can simply go to one of the shows that we recorded recently right here on the Saving Thousands radio show. And folks, you'll find that when you go to savingthousands.com. We've been talking a lot about that. When you go to Saving Thousands, click on radio shows, and you'll find one that is about maybe 20, 30 minutes about Fannie and Freddie and how this is all set up and who pays what. And it's very, very interesting the way this whole thing is set up so that you and I can afford a home. All right. Very cool. All right. Now, one of the other things I wanted to uh, talk about right now while we've got a short break is more about the savingthousands.com tool for you. I pass this along because this is vital information for you to have if you really want to take a grasp on your money, on your financial situation. So we give you all of these tools and savingthousands.com is a warehouse of those tools. I told you about the tabs across the top. If you scroll down a bit, you'll see where there is a a nice little play button. You can play one of our recent shows. And this one would be, oh, just a show from last week that it's showing right now. Then under that, you'll see eight windows and you'll click on those windows and you'll be taken to a lot of information. Some of it audio, some of it video, some of it written about that topic. What are those topics? Personal finance, credit cards, credit score, mortgages, home ownership, financial zombie, you don't want to be that, loans, and banking. So it's easy to use. It's a wonderful source of information. Savingthousands.com doesn't cost you a cent. It'll make you money. All right, Robert, earlier in the show, we talked how big industries getting back into housing, right? And I know a lot of people who want to get back into home, but they just don't believe they can qualify. And I keep pushing them. It's like trying to push a horse up a hill. I keep saying, just check it out. You can qualify, but they just don't think they can. Frustrating. Uh, own real estate sooner, not later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really am, am pleading with our listeners. Uh, if, if, you think, if you think you can't, if you don't believe you can buy a home, uh, I want you to call and I want you to, to get pre-approved, right? And so when you call in 855-773-8634, 
Uh, the phone system is going to tell you to, I think it's press one to, to go on the air and press two to talk to a loan officer. Maybe back, maybe it's the way around. I don't know. It'll tell you when you call 855-773-8634. Go ahead and press the number to be connected directly with a loan officer. And they're going to tell you whether or not we can get you approved for a home today. Uh, Jim's going to help his daughter buy a home. That, that's an uh, amazing thing to do. Uh, I'm always a fan of home ownership above renting. You know, I own a, a number of properties myself. I, I do think there are times when renting is appropriate, but, but in the long haul, uh, everybody needs to own real estate sooner than later. That is the new rule number seven. Uh, we talked about rule number five. If you know their tricks, they don't work, uh, which in this case, we're talking about probably my the biggest trick on my, my radar right now, which is this this burying the credit card disclosures uh, by forcing people to go online. Right, Rob? It's uh, it's just uh, it's so amazing uh, how how tricky and how smart and how crafty the, these big financial services companies are. They don't want us to have knowledge. They don't want us to have information. Uh, you know, and, and they will spend tons of money to protect their position. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I really think, I, you know, I, as much as I hate to say this, I really think they're going to fight me on my whole financial literacy campaign. Uh, so for any of you who don't listen regularly, uh, I'm in the process of putting together a, a big campaign uh, to try to raise awareness and, and increase uh, and actually include financial literacy uh, in our school's curriculum. And uh, this is just something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I believe that if the next generation is armed with uh, the knowledge about finance and and credit cards and credit scores and student loans and mortgages and all the things we talk about here on this show at a younger age, uh, that they're going to be that much more powerful of a generation in the future. And uh, you know who doesn't want this to happen? And that's the the big fi- the same guys that are hiding credit card disclosures, that's right? right. That's I mean, right. if they're willing to invest all this money in building out mobile apps and online portals just so they can hide knowledge from from their their customers you know what are they going to do to try to shut me up and, and hide the knowledge from a whole generation and uh, I'm ready for the fight I mean uh, this is important enough to me uh, and, and uh, you know I've been blessed in, in my success in life that I, I can afford to take on a project like this and not worry about the repercussions from the big financial services companies mm-hmm. uh, I'm here I'm here to fight for the consumer I'm here to fight for the next generation of consumers the next generation of uh, potentially financial zombies right? And we got to wake them up. And the earlier we can get, and really where this hit me, Rob, is I was watching a friend's kid play with their iPad, yep. right? And, and and so I watch I watch my grandmother try to use an iPad I got her, uh, you know, and 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 she's she's brilliant. I mean, she's she's in her 80s. She is brilliant, but she's just afraid of the technology, right? She's just not comfortable with it. It's not that she can't do it. She's absolutely smart enough. I mean, she's one of the smartest ladies I know. Uh, and she's absolutely smart enough to do it, but she's got this idea in her head that 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 she can't do it. That the technology is not for her. She's got these self-limiting beliefs. Uh-huh. And then you look at a you look at a five or a six-year-old who who was zipping around on the iPad like there's absolutely no problem at all. And it's because they got comfortable with the idea of it. They got comfortable with the idea of the technology at an age when they did not yet have any self-limiting beliefs. Right? When we're young, we think we can do everything. Right? You know. Uh, Teenagers think they're the smartest people on the planet. Uh, this is the the whole idea. So we need to capitalize on that by introducing our youth to the concepts in financial uh, literacy, mm-hmm. the concepts of credit scores, the concepts of interest, the concepts of money and leverage, when they are young enough to believe that they can do anything so they will believe they can master this, right? A lot of people I meet, Rob, they say, Robert, I, you know, I can't do what you're talking about. Well, guess what? As soon as they try, they realize they can. Yeah, they can. So they have this self-limiting belief that they cannot. When I convince them to actually give it a try, they realize it's not as hard as it sounds, but we have to overcome this whole idea that we can't do it, where our kids don't have that idea. They believe they can do anything. And so if we can integrate financial literacy, if we can integrate knowledge of credit scores and knowledge of interest rates and knowledge of borrowing money and loaning money and leverage and how to pay our bills on time, and how to take advantage of banks, and how to not fall into to, to the, the trap of credit card debt while, while still using credit cards to our advantage. If we can instill all that in our children when they are still at an age where they believe they can take on and do anything, that is the key to the next generation not being financial zombies. And so I realized this when I was watching uh, like a six-year-old play with an iPad. You know, because they were super comfortable because they never believed they couldn't. They never hit the point where they said, oh, that's new technology. I can't do that. Oh, this credit score thing. That's too complex. I can't do that. But that's exactly what we face today. Uh, The majority of us think, just like my grandmother in her 80s, thinks that that iPad is too difficult to master, even though I know without a shadow of a doubt 
that she is smart enough to do it. I can't convince her of that. I, she thinks she's going to have to practice and learn and take lessons at, where the six-year-old just picks it up and fiddles with it until it does what they want it to do. And, and that's the exact mentality and mindset that I want our next generation to have when it comes to all things personal finance, all aspects of financial literacy. And the only way to do it is to get it at a young age. And so if I can get it into the schools, that's what I'm fighting for, and that's what my mission is. Mm -hmm. If I can't get it into the schools, I'll go some other route. But I am going to figure out a way to educate and bring financial literacy to our youth so when they grow up, they don't deal with these issues. They can't be taken advantage of by big financial services companies. They know to shop around, right? They know rule number one. They are going to shop around for everything related to financial services. They're going to know their numbers. Rule number two, they're going to know their numbers like the back of their hand. They're going to know their numbers like they know a video game score, right? Rule number two is going to be that important. Rule number three, they're going to wait three days before major purchases because that's just the way they'll have always been taught to do it from a young age, right? They're going to have all the rules ingrained in them. You know, they're going to they're going to want to own real estate sooner, not later, and build the wealth that creates. They're going to want to know the tricks so they won't work anymore, they're going to want to do all these things. It's going to be a natural ingrained part of their life because they're going to be taught at an age before they have built up all these self-limiting beliefs and all these self-limiting doubts. And they are going to be a generation of financial ninjas. And this is my mission. This is my calling. And Rob, this is, the, this is what I'm here to do. I am here to, you know, I'm on the radio to educate uh, all of us that didn't have that when, when we were kids. But I'm also here to fix that problem mm -hmm. so that when I'm gone, and I'm not here on the radio in, in 60, 70 years, you know, to, to tell people how to fight the system. They're already going to know because they'll have been taught in schools or when they were younger. And, and that is how we beat this problem for the long haul. Well, Robert, that's just going to about wrap up another hour from the Saving Thousands team. That would be the radio team, of course, SavingThousands.com. And, of course, our RP digital company that works so hard to do an awful lot of publications and put together a lot of great information for all of the Robert Palmer family of companies. I do want people to know that we're going to start talking probably tomorrow about your new book. Uh, we're not going to give any secrets away because we want people to get that book, but I know that there is a mini version out already that people are picking up at our offices and that kind of gives them a glimpse of what your new book series is going to be about. And I tell you what, I'm excited, and I certainly hope I get an autographed copy. Come on. Now, in hearing the show today, folks, I think that maybe we've intrigued your curiosity a little bit about maybe being a homeowner, for maybe the first or second time. Maybe you never have been a homeowner, or maybe you were a homeowner and you got caught in the crunch and things just went bad. And now you're a renter and you're thinking, oh, who wants to go through all that again? Well, I think you've learned from today's show that we're beyond that now. So I want you to just pick up the phone. There's no problem in picking up the phone and calling RP Funding because it's the kind of company that exists for you. It's the kind of company that I don't think you've ever, ever experienced before. These people just want to give you the information. They want to have the conversation. And if it turns out that at the end of the conversation, you don't qualify or you change your mind about qualifying, that's fine. We're all going to be friends at the end of the day. Heck, we might even become neighbors. So check it out. Call 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. And if you want to know your home value, use the home value hotline, 866-222-8231, 866-222-8231. Until next time, I hope that you're all saving thousands with Robert Palmer.